0: Podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network.
1: Welcome to the Ten Twelve, the podcast that covers all ten teams in the Big Twelve Conference. I'm your host, Philip Slavin. Thank you for joining us. For our Thursday episode, we have one heck of an episode for you today. I am super excited to have Braden Gall of Athlon Sports and the Cover 2 Podcast joining us today. We are ranking the Big 12 college football jobs. Not the teams, not the coaches, not the state of the program, the job. If every single head coaching position was open in the Big 12, how would we rank them? Braden and I have some similars. And we have some that are very different. It's a really good episode, really good interview, a lot of fun. After Braden, we're going to speak with Russell Steinberg. We're going to talk about the NCAA Women's Basketball Tournament, specifically the fact that he writes brackets for the women's side. We're going to discuss where he sees each of the Big 12 teams that he has going dancing this year, as well as one team in particular, the Sooners, who are inching closer and closer to the right side of the bubble. Really good interview with Steinberg. Great interview with Braden. Before we get to those, a couple of things, just some notes from around the Big 12. Kansas State started spring football practice. Spring football's here, guys. It's starting early arrivies on campus. That means we're going to spring football games soon. This is super exciting. Yeah, the FCS is going on. It's awesome. I love it, but we have spring FBS football underway. We're actually going to get spring football. This is good. This is good for everyone. Congratulations to Baylor and Baylor. Both the men's and women's teams clinched the Big 12 regular season titles earlier this week. Congratulations to the Bears, both the men's and the women's. If I might suggest a way for Baylor fans to celebrate those victories, it's with a fantastic, comfortable, vintage shirt, sweater, or hoodie from Homefield Apparel. Homefield, who makes the most comfortable, most awesome vintage college sports apparel, and they have Baylor gear for you. They've got bears, they've got Baylor, they've got a women's basketball shirt that's really kind of awesome. It's really neat. Basketball has a crown, has a bee on it. You really got to go check it out. If you haven't bought from Homefield yet, now is the perfect time. Promo code 1012, ten 12 gets 20% off your first order. And right now all orders $70 or more Get free shipping. In fact, it's really hard to just pick out one item from Homefield, And when you see what they have for Baylor, you're going to understand. By the way, maybe you're not a Baylor fan or an Iowa State fan. They also have wonderful Iowa State gear. I have a marching size shirt, which I love. Um, let's just say that they're going to be adding a third Big 12 school on Monday. So if you are, I don't know, a Texas Tech fan, and you have been waiting to make your first home field purchase, and you happen to listen to this show, get excited. Because you can use the 1012 promo and get 20% off your order. Because I get the feeling some of this Texas Tech stuff is gonna be awesome, and I'm gonna to have to buy one. So, promo code 1012 TEN12 gets you 20% off your first order. Orders of $70 or more get free shipping. So if you're a Baylor fan, an Iowa State fan, starting Monday, a Texas Tech fan. Or you like Maryland, SMU, Bradley, Northern Kentucky, Hawaii, Utah State, Vanderbilt, Chicago State, Appalachian State, Ferris State, Michigan State. They've got the most comfortable, awesome vintage college sports apparel for you. Speaking of uh, Big 12 hoops, just eight conference games remain in the regular season. We've got four on Thursday, two on Saturday, two on Sunday. Of course, we have the Kansas UTEP game on Thursday as well. There's some interesting games left on the schedule here. Oklahoma State is traveling to Baylor on Thursday. That could be a good one. That really could be an interesting game. I, I know Baylor seems like they've turned everything around from COVID, going on the road, beating West Virginia. I don't think Oklahoma State wins this game, and I wouldn't put money on Oklahoma State to win this game. But I do think this game could be interesting. Oklahoma State is playing their best basketball this season. Thursday night, we also get Texas at Oklahoma. We get Red River round two. Texas has been struggling. Oklahoma has been struggling. These are two teams desperate for a win. This could be really interesting. And for Texas, every game they have left is on the road. This is a big opportunity for them. I don't think they're going to miss the tournament by any stretch of the imagination. But this is a big opportunity for them to kind of secure that top five seeding and for both teams to stop the bleeding to some extent. Uh, This weekend, Saturday, poor OSU. OSU at West Virginia. It's another good game to keep an eye on. And of course, on Sunday, we get Texas Tech at Baylor. It's another game. Look, there's four good games. Half the games left on the slate for this week and this weekend are going to be good games to watch to involve Baylor. So, Mark those on your calendar. Big 12 tournament coming up here real quick. We'll obviously talk about that some more on Monday once we know what the final uh, standings are on the conference. We'll get Daniel Alexander of Grinders and Blinders on the show soon so we can kind of make some picks and talk about betting conference tournaments and the NCAA tournament, which is almost here. We'll talk more about women's basketball, of course, coming up here in just a bit with Russell Steinberg. Stick around for that interview. Stick around for that interview. I'm not kidding. It's going to be fantastic. You know what? Braden Gall, right now, let's get to it. Phillips Laven of the 1012 Podcast here. Have you been listening to this show for a while and thought, you know, if that guy can do this, then so can I? Well, you're you're probably right, and it's worth giving a shot. The one question you're going to ask yourself is, how do I get my podcast out for everyone to listen to on iTunes, on Spotify? Well, you're going to need a hosting site, and if I may make a suggestion, go with Anchor. So I had this idea back in January, um, and look, it's not an original idea. People do these kinds of podcast episodes all the time, uh, but I thought I could save it for summer, and then I saw another podcast, a national podcast, who was doing something similar, and I hate when I have an idea and someone else does it, and it looks like I'm copying off of them, so I decided we would move this idea up and do our our Big 12 job rankings now. Here in March, when we should be focusing on March Madness, but we're, we're good. That's what we have Mondays for. I mean, I couldn't do this by myself. That doesn't seem like a lot of fun. And you guys don't care what I think nearly as much as you care about people who, you know, do this for a living. So I'm very excited to have Braden Gall of Athlon Sports and the Cover Two podcast joining us today. Uh, Braden, welcome back to the 1012,
0: sir. Uh, good to be here. And what's funny is now I'm going to have to move up our edition of the podcast when we rank the jobs nationally and try to beat your podcast now. So (laughs) so I'm going to have, you you totally screwed up our whole scheduling now.
1: I'm, I'm really sorry. Uh, (laughs) uh, Also let Steven know, I apologize. Please don't prevent that from, (laughs) from us being able to have some magazine issues, Um, (laughs) which when does the, uh, when does the magazine come out? Isn't it this month?
0: Oh gosh. Uh, The NFL draft magazine is already on newsstands, I believe, or you can order it now. Athlonsports.com. Just go to the top there. The little button uh, says buy magazine. I know it's very complicated uh, and I believe we actually have an on sale date for the college football magazine, which I believe is May 18th. That is also just potentially a random date. I just pulled out of my hindquarters. So um, <laughs> I believe it's, I believe it's May 18th. So uh, again, pre-order always on the internet, always going to be a faster methodology than, than going to search for it on, on, on your newsstand. Also, you know, you get to pick and choose what teams you like. So if, if the cover that you love and the team that you love is not in, in your area, then, always make sure you're ordering it online and we do sell out like i I want to say we sold out of Iowa state covers last year. Oh wow, really fast. Obviously Iowa state pretty good right now, so mm-hmm. it mm-hmm. makes sense but like not every cover will be in stock forever. So urgency folks, tempo, 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 you know?
1: Uh yeah, I have the uh, OU OSU which I have to say as a as a fan of Oklahoma state, I know this is our our Big 12 podcast, but as a fan of Oklahoma state, seeing OU and OSU on the same cover was a little
0: Yeah. Well, I, you don't take it as an honor. (laughs) Cause to to quote Mike Boynton,
1: we don't like them.
0: No, yeah, no. um, (laughs) That's understandable. That's understandable considering Gundy's record. Um, I I would say if, if you look at like text, like there was a long time, for example, and this is already off the rails, Alabama, Auburn were on the same cover for a very long time. And they obviously did not like that. But <laughs> but like it made sense because the amount of people in the state of Alabama versus the amount of people, for example, in Pennsylvania, Michigan, or Ohio, where we would have an Ohio State cover, a Michigan cover, and a Pennsylvania and a Penn State cover, it's just not even like again, people in the South, they're crazy about their football, but there's just not a lot of people in the states. Like there's more people in Chicago than there are in the entire state of Mississippi, and it's not even close. So we we definitely had Oklahoma and Oklahoma State together for a while, and then I think we separated them, and then I think we put them back together. Long story short, we're sorry, Oklahoma State. We're sorry. It's okay.
1: I'll uh, uh, On behalf of Oklahoma State, we accept your apology. Uh, <laughs> please don't do it again. We know you will, but that's fine. I, I have, no, I the, have uh, no power at Athlon School. <laughs> I'll still read the magazine. It's fine. All right. Uh, that's enough of a tangent. So we are here today to rank the Big 12 football jobs. And I understand, before we get started, everybody, this is not a ranking of the teams now. This is not a ranking of the teams. This is not a ranking of your coaches. This is a ranking of if all of these jobs were open today, how would you rank them? So what 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 would I, which job would I want? Um, I, I did want to ask before I get started. You know, one of the things to me that plays into how I put these rankings is there's there's a difference between kind of the expectation. It's a big part. Um, how do you balance the expectation of the school being national championship and the ability to do that, or mm-hmm. say, which let's let's put it this way, the comp I keep using is if I was ranking the SEC jobs, I'd put Kentucky ahead of Tennessee right now because Tennessee is insane. It's a mess their expectations are out of whack with reality and at Kentucky you can have a you could be there for 20 years if you win eight games a year they will build you a statue and you will be very comfortable and that would be a nice job to have
0: yeah and and I think that's an okay and fair way to look at it and this is me being guilty of what Nick Saban has said for many years and I've sort of not believed it and disagreed with it. And I'm starting now to come around on it. I, I don't know if it's like fatherhood or just like the pandemic has done this to me. I, I don't know why, but it, you know, I have always cared the most about the national championship and that's not really why I fell in love with college football. Um, it, it's not why I, I fall in love with stories like, you know, the Kinnick wave or coastal Carolina but if you there's sort of so there's sort of two different ways to look at college football the way you talked about it just then which is the expectations at at kentucky are far lower but therefore you can achieve greatness easier relative to their expectations the problem with that is that that is not how coaches are wired from a dna standpoint so when you're talking about the jobs. Coaches are not wired that way. Now, some coaches are wired differently. Um, They want to be, you know, Mike Leach wants to be in, in, in a weird small town. Like he doesn't care if it's in Washington, Texas, or Mississippi. He wants to be in a very tiny middle of nowhere outpost. Like I worked with him. He lived in Key West at the time and just wanted to be in the middle of nowhere. So it's not necessarily what makes each individual coach tick, but to your Kentucky-Tennessee example, there's no way you can argue that Kentucky is a is it has a better chance to win a national championship than Tennessee. You just no. you just can't. You, there's no tangible, physical, objective piece of evidence that indicates that Kentucky isn't is a better job than Tennessee, in in the sense of winning a national title. Um, so I, I sort of look at it always through that lens. Which again, maybe that's a flaw, maybe that's a problem. But in this particular case, when you can't talk about any one particular coach clearly gary patterson loves tcu (laughs) like he values tcu maybe more than any other human has ever valued tcu but that doesn't make tcu a better job than texas or or oklahoma just because one guy values it that way you know so i I think you have like I, i think for this exercise you have to look at it through the lens of the national championship that's just my perspective my opinion i i call it the nick saban test And for the big 12, I would put Nick Saban for this exercise, for example, I would put Nick Saban at all 10 schools and say, who, where does he win the most, the fastest and the, and the most consistently. And that's sort of how I would judge it. You don't have to judge it that way, but that's how I would judge it.
1: Okay. That works. All right. Well, in that case, let's just, let's just dive in. I think let's do this since I feel like most people would guess what the the top two jobs are. Uh, Which schools would fill those positions? Why don't we just start there? I mean, obviously I think we both have Oklahoma and Texas, the top two jobs in the big 12. So, but I am curious, which one do you have one, which one do you have two?
0: So I've, I've long believed that Texas is the most powerful athletic department in America. And that's a non-answer for you still. Mm -hmm. Uh, I still think it is the most powerful athletic department in America, but, and having lived in Austin for three or four years, having lived in Dallas for three years and having covered college football, I am starting to, and, and I, I, I'm i just, I don't want to be prisoner of the last 20 years because even when I lived in Austin in the mid nineties, Oklahoma wasn't all that great. Like the John Blake era wasn't all that great. Let's be honest. But they've had like Bob Stoops singularly as a as one human being sort of singularly stabilized and and as you know in the modern era made oklahoma as successful as it is lincoln riley has now picked up the baton and ran with it i think you could also argue mac brown to some degree in with his ability to massage and message and communicate and you know not necessarily like an elite coach x's and o's wise but an elite ceo we saw texas get to maybe you know slightly greater heights i, I don't know like Oklahoma went to a lot of national championship games. Texas went to a few. They both won one when they both had great coaches. They're about the same. I think the cooks in the kitchen and the millionaires are, are, is really my question about Texas. Are there too many people that think that they deserve to be in charge at Texas? And we saw that a little bit with Charlie strong, not that Charlie strong deserved to keep his job or, or be the head coach of Texas, we, we absolutely saw it with this eyes of Texas debacle and all the emails. Um, I just, and I want to say Herb Street said this on game day. Like there's just, like, if you look at the history of Texas, it's just not as dominant as it should be. And if you look at Alabama, for example, there's a reason Alabama has had the two greatest coaching dynasties in the history of college football. That's not a coincidence. And Oklahoma has a lot more of those than Texas. So I think that's the argument for Oklahoma. The problem with that for me personally is if I put Nick Saban at both jobs right now, today, I think he wins like a fraction of a percent more at, at Texas because I think Nick Saban can eliminate all of that. And and that's to me, the Nick Saban test is not specific to Nick Saban as much as it is specific to insert great coach, right? Like insert guy who is just uh, awesome. And if Nick Saban's at Oklahoma and Texas, they're probably in the big 12 title game every single year, playing against each other every single year. Nobody else has a chance (laughs) in the big 12 (laughs) to get there. And, and that's just, you know, no one, no one else has played for the national championship in how many years, like, like Colorado in 1990, like when's the last time Kansas state was close in 98 um, you know, Missouri, in seven in the weirdest year in the history of college football and then Oklahoma state in 2011. Like I, like, again, none of those teams played for the national championship. And so it's Texas and Oklahoma. I, 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 man, I have a hard time putting Oklahoma ahead of Texas, but it is very difficult to argue with the body of work. And the biggest question is, is honestly the, the deciding factor you, you got to deal with a whole lot more millionaires, but you got to deal with a whole lot more talent. And there's a, there's more players closer to Texas's campus than there are Norman. And that's probably six of one, half a dozen of the other, right? You got to pick. Which one do you want? And I, I totally see the argument for Oklahoma. I, oh. <laughs> this eyes of Texas thing might actually have pushed me into the Oklahoma category, to be honest with you, because I just think it's so ridiculous that if you love your school that much, why you don't just listen to your <laughs> just like if you love your school and you want your players to buy into what the school is selling, and I know we're off topic here, just like give them something to believe in. I know that's a crazy thought. But
1: I mean from the standpoint you know? of the boosters, do they love their school or do they love their school? The school. You know what I mean? It's that difference between this is yeah. this is my school. Yeah. It will be my granddad I think it should my granddaddy's way. It's not it's not your school. school. Yeah. If you don't like my school, because I mean you saw that in the comments. If you don't like my school, go to another school.
0: Yeah, and, and th- there there is the certainly... old, if
1: you don't like something about America, move out of the country, <laughs> which is just, you know.
0: Thanks, Debo. The... Um, I I mean it really is like uh, again, like again, as someone who lived in Austin and, and went to dozens of Texas games, who sat in the stand i was a small child i was probably a 10 year old kid 12 year old kid middle school kid i was playing middle school football and you know i would stand with my like i, I did not grow up te- like to be v- very fully transparent i grew up i was from wisconsin i grew up a wisconsin fan i texas was not a thing that was in my blood i didn't care about the horns but i my dad took me to sporting events everywhere i lived so i went to georgia tech games in like 91 92 when we lived in atlanta I, actually my first college football game ever was tcu In in Dallas Fort Worth when I was like seven years old because we lived in DFW before moving to Atlanta and like just basically when we went to sporting events everywhere we went but I like I was there in the stands after games watching the eyes of Texas and so I know what it means to people but but you can't force it to mean something to somebody and but but you can try to you can give them something to believe in and that's how you that's how you gain and build something truly. Special is is, and again, Oklahoma's every, everywhere's got these these pockets of crazy fans. The question is, are these is this pocket of crazy fans at Texas so big and so powerful that it actually hurts your chances of winning? And that is actually that's the conversation we're having right now. That that's the discussion is because again, I think Tennessee through this, there are too many people that think they deserve something because they have lots of money, and that is affecting decision making, and decision making affects winning. When you get Nick Saban in, when you do the Nick Saban test, you've sort of eliminated all of that though. Yes. Because the Nick Saban test is just,
1: if you want me to come here, y'all stand in my way or I'll leave.
0: Exactly. So once Nick Saban's in the seat in Norman and in Austin, where does he win more? And I think the answer is Texas, but like, there's a reason that Nick Saban's only really sort of, sort of flirted with Texas and nobody else. Right. Right. Cause 'cause it is, it is the most powerful athletic department in America with the most fertile recruiting territory in America, with people that grow up in that state as we're talking about this completely obsessed with being a Texas longhorn mm-hmm. and you cannot replicate that very many places. And well,
1: I, I, you can't replicate it. There's, there are few schools that have the, because you go to Florida, but you have Florida, Florida state and Miami. You go right. to California, yep. yeah, you have USC, but you also have UCLA. You also have Stanford. You also have
0: like- You, you with also Texas, have national, national parks as well.
1: Right. You have Texas. Yes, you have TCU, Texas Tech, and, and Baylor, and Texas and m to some extent. But it Texas is the school that even when they're down, they're still bringing in top 15, top 20 classes just without even really having to try. Now, when it's it's churning and you know, it's running right, even, even with Tom Herman not winning that much, they were still getting top 10 top five well, classes
0: and, and, and not not winning that much was still like 63% of the time 10 wins four bowl games Sam Ellinger wasn't going anywhere else right like no. there was no way he was going anywhere else whereas if you look at Tennessee for example well I compare the two of them a lot because they're very similar too many cooks in the kitchen should be better than they are both UT orange whatever um <laughs> and 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 like you look at some of the like Trevor Lawrence and Travis Etienne and Amari Rod, like these are guys who grew up Tennessee fans and they didn't go to Tennessee because somewhere else was better. That doesn't really happen with Texas fans. Like when you grow up, a, if you grow up a Texas fan and you're Trevor Lawrence and you're from Houston, you are going to Texas. <laughs> yeah. Like that's the, that's the only
1: the only kids who grow up Texas fans that don't go to Texas are the ones who don't get scholarship offers.
0: Yeah. I, I, is, it, uh, I'm a, is it, who's it? Dalton Santos. That was going to Baylor like a three. I don't know why I remember that weird name. Like, was he going to Baylor recruit was like committed to Baylor, like a three star linebacker. And then the last minute, like Mac Brown gave him a scholarship and he like switched immediately.
1: Oh, that happens. That happens often where Texas that, will come that, at the last minute because they know they can. And right. it's, and that's fine. Right. Um, I mean, to your points. Yeah. Look, I have Oklahoma at one and Texas in two. And I understand the Nick Saban argument. And that's a fine way of neutralizing things. But I also think like that's an even way of doing it. But you're also utilizing like the the best coach in college football history, and I, everybody's not that. And if I'm going to come at it from which job would I take? I would take the one where I feel the athletic director is strong. The athletic director is strong enough with Castiglione at OU over, and not a this isn't so too much of a shot at at Cristo Conti at Texas, but I feel like. I know I have an athletic director to be the buffer where I'm not having to be the Nick Saban to come in and, and make sure everyone leaves my stuff alone. Someone's handling that for me so that I don't have to worry about it as yeah. much. And, and look, I get it. Texas Texas has more money than the phrase, you no, know, no more got more money than God. Literally. The difference between what and so Texas, according to USA Today's numbers on athletic stuff, Texas is number one. Uh, in 2018, 2019, Oklahoma was number eight. The difference between Texas and Oklahoma is the difference between Oklahoma and Utah at number 40. Like, it's not that close from an understandable. It's a $60 million difference. So look, Texas has more money than yep. they know what to do with. And uh, to, to their credit with Sarkeesian, they're doing it the way they should be, which is throw all the money at all the best assistants and try and get them into <laughs> Texas to try and win, Right.
0: But, and maybe it'll work with the the question is what if, what if Joe C retires tomorrow though? You know, like he's at that, like athletic directors are a fluid thing. Sure. Where your campus is located. Isn't changing. You know,
1: that's true. But Oklahoma has enough of a, I think Oklahoma is enough of a reputation that they, it's kind of, I'm not saying they are Alabama, but Alabama is one of the few schools that can get kids to leave Louisiana and not go to LSU and go to Alabama. Oklahoma is one of the few schools that can go into Texas and beat Texas for a kid that they want because they're yep. Oklahoma and they have the reputation and they play each other so I, I do think Oklahoma is uniquely poised to do things other schools can't against Texas they have a longer history of success they have more success through history they have I know yep like we've we talked about the Mac Brown decade that's more the outlier than it is yep the consistency, whereas Oklahoma has also been doing it for a longer period. And Oklahoma's down point with those last few years of Bob Stoops was like nine wins. Texas's down point has been not going to bowl games.
0: No, like, again, if, if, if you were born in like 1997, and you've only known big 12 football since 1997, you would be laughing at this conversation <laughs> or, or more specifically at me. Um, but <laughs> Again, I, I totally get it, man. I totally get it. Like, w- you know, Wilkinson and and Switzer and, and Stoops and Al Riley and like you, you, the, the like Ohio State to me. And this is why like I don't really I don't I think it's hard because it's this it sort of goes to your Kentucky, Tennessee argument. I, 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 I don't think you can be the best job in America without being in one of the best footprints in America and the Southeast and Texas is the footprint in America. And for talent for players and for kids, Ohio State is sort of the only outlier in my opinion because I don't know seventy years they haven't had a bad coach
1: <laughs> yeah, I don't it's some someone sold their soul to the devil to make sure that Ohio State was never bad. I don't know how it happened. it's the only thing that makes sense
0: they they I, you know they, they all end up weird, but they all win championships, so yeah,
1: I don't I don't know all right, so uh from that standpoint, you have Texas one and Oklahoma two, and I have Oklahoma one and Texas two, and that's eh.
0: You, you might convince me. I can go Oklahoma one. It's fine. Okay.
1: Okay. Uh, so here's where it gets interesting is, is three through 10. I'm So here's how we're going to do this. I'm going to let you go. So we can keep talking on the same oh, teams. If, okay. I'm going to let you go through your list. And then I'm going to, I'm going to chime in with where I have said team. Um, if that works for you. So I, I'm let's go with number three. Who do you have as the third best job at the big 12?
0: Oklahoma state uh, has been the third best job in this league for me for a while. And again, kind of like, you know, you go back to Les Miles and pre-Les Miles and they weren't, you know, they left something to be desired, but, and there's certainly plenty of uh, information about the Les Miles era at Oklahoma State, but it was good. And they had a heck of a run in the eighties recruiting, you know, you've got money, you've got boosters, everything's a little bit less than with Oklahoma, including, Again, everything, uh, record, finances, fan base, you know, all that stuff. Like you said, they can't go into Texas and beat Texas for players like Oklahoma can. Um, But if you're comparing it, and what's really strange is, you know, TCU recruiting-wise is clearly number three in the league, which is really interesting. I don't think a lot of people would would, would acknowledge that, that they are clearly the third-best recruiting team in this conference since the day they got into the league, which is really impressive for Gary Patterson, mostly, (laughs) but you know, Oklahoma state to me, when you talk about resources, when you talk about location, when you talk about track record, multiple coaches being successful, I know a lot of it's been Gundy. They're limited from an upside standpoint, but everyone else is in this conference too. I mean, I think West Virginia is in the conversation just from a pure, just sort of accomplishment standpoint. So, so, you know, those would be the names I would put in that group. I think I would lean Oklahoma State at three.
1: So I like that. I do not have them at three. I have them <clears> – <throat> I actually have them – and this is where I, this three, four, five grouping has gone back and forth with me. I actually have them at five, but there's not a big difference to me between three, four, and five. Um, I agree with you. I have a real question of what happens when Gundy leaves. It can go one of two ways. If they make the wrong hire, it can go back to the 90s. Um, I do think, though – there's some things about OSU. I think Gundy makes too much money. I think Gundy being paid five plus million. that's four point whatever now because of what happened this summer. But I think with him making that much money and having an athletic department that wants to invest across the board, you know, they spend on baseball, they spend on basketball, they spend on soccer and and wrestling. Well, they got to spend more on wrestling. Um, I think it does hinder the ceiling. I think Gundy making that much because I was, I looked at the numbers between highest paid coaches and athletic department budgets. There was no bigger gap between how high a head coach was paid and where the athletic department was um, than Oklahoma state with Mike Gundy and OSU's budget. So he was the highest paid of anyone in that area. The next closest was um, Utah's head coach whose name just slipped my mind.
0: Kyle Whittingham. Could, could you you. argue that that's a reason why you'd want to coach there is that you get paid lots of money? (laughs) Yes,
1: um, I also think it's an argument of saying if you're willing to take a little bit less, they're going to give. And they look, Gundy has fought and, fought and fought and fought and fought to get as much money as he can to continue to try and improve the the the, the coaching staff and the the staff overall. Um, it's been a struggle with Holder. Holder does a good job. It can be a bit of a tightwad.
0: They, they clearly are not best friends. Yes. They are
1: not, and that's fine. Um, whatever, they'll both. Which,
0: which again is actually a testament to the job he's. Right, like he, he wants oh, scheduling little, power, I, he wants all yeah. that stuff. So,
1: um, I, I do think it's a really good job. Again, I don't, the the difference between three, four, and five is is marginal. Um, and I think if you get the right coach in next, who is, um, you, we get talk about OSU's recruiting. They just brought in the the A and M commit Kendall Daniels today. Um, so, oh, this is Monday, um, so they, it seems like things are going in the right direction. I think some of Gundy's recruiting issues are more to do with the. Everyone says they have a culture. I think some coaches believe that more than others. Um, I thought the really good comp is I've heard people talk about Brock uh, Bronco Mendenhall at Virginia and how he likes to recruit. And they really don't want a lot of guys who, Yeah. we don't want to make you a bunch of social media pictures just to try and make you feel good. We don't want to have to bring in a bunch of knuckleheads. Eat. We we're we're really big on evaluating guys that fit our system or can do the things that we want. If we get a four or five star great, but we're not going to spin our wheels on guys as much that we don't think we're going to get. I think if you brought in a coach that maybe wanted to do that a little bit more, you might get some more, more talented guys.
0: Well, so what's I, your order three through five?
1: Uh, so OSU's is five. I have Baylor at three.
0: Wow. Yeah. Interesting. Um, I did not consider, I did not consider Baylor in that category.
1: So let me, let me, let me explain why. Uh, number one, Baylor will, Baylor is a small private university they don't have to put their athletic department numbers out they don't have to put out what their coaches are paid but we know that matt rule on his last season was making over four million dollars a year um you're you're in waco you're centralized pretty much between the DFW that's a negative area.
0: For, that's negative for me but really <laughs> i mean you've met all these things with are, are the same for tcu
1: well that's okay so for TCU. and
0: and TCU has won more, and they're in a better area. Again, I, now again, this is I the beholder, so it's maybe not fair, but I, I like. I'm not trying to poke fun at Waco here, here because I've lived in Dallas and Austin, but I would not live in it. Just Waco just doesn't. It's just not appealing <laughs> to me. I TCU. There's a reason TCU has T, Baylor and TCU are basically the same thing. Yes. One of them had more politics and political will behind them in the mid-90s and the other one didn't, and that's basically the only reason. But, again, if you look at recruiting over time and you look at success, it's not even close. Like, if you want to do the Texas-Oklahoma thing, yeah, it's not even Like, you had some really good teams in the early 90s for TCU, and Baylor was largely irrelevant for how many years? Four, five, six decades?
1: Oh, they're bad. Uh, and, And And I understand that. I think this Not is even like the argument of I think Baylor has a higher ceiling moving forward than I think TCU I, does. I think Baylor maybe. has the potential to be better than TCU does.
0: Well, you keep they keep fixing all those homes, it's going to be much better to live there, I suppose. Um, it, it's <laughs> it, I just it's funny, like it's just I can't get the proof of concept out of my mind. Because West Virginia – and West Virginia is the weirdest one here too. Just like – they're all kind of actually strange to debate because West Virginia, like by far out of all these teams, has accomplished the most. Like West Virginia was winning conference championships. They almost got the national championship game. They have – you know, they did get to the national championship game in 89 with Major Harris. They almost got there again in 07. Like this is not – multiple coaches have gotten West Virginia to a really high level. They are now a little out of place relative to recruiting. They don't produce a ton of talent. Population trends are kind of coming away from them. But if you talk about support and fan base and passion for the game and the things that lead to success, financial support, West Virginia has a really good case to be number three in my mind. Now, I lean Oklahoma State because they are in the area, they recruit the area, they have history in the area. And, but again, compare, just go back to like 80, since I was alive, I was born in 82, West Virginia, Oklahoma state, TCU and Baylor. Who's won the most. It's West Virginia, West Virginia. Now, and I get it at at the highest level. No, but guess, guess what? A lot of those other teams changed schools, changed leagues too. TCU changed leagues. The big 12 was formed since I was born. All these things have changed. So I, I, I get how difficult the argument is between all of these, locations Uh, to me I actually the only one I don't debate is Oklahoma State at three like that's the one I don't like I feel really comfortable with Oklahoma State at three you know Texas Tech is a weird one much 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 bigger alumni base than people think much bigger city than people think um but it's just Uh, so it's just so hard to win like it's just hard to win there
1: so since you brought up both uh Texas Tech and West Virginia Like I would have, I have all, Texas five,
0: Tech. I would have all five of these at the same in the same
1: I, I have Texas Tech last. Wow. I don't you'd rather, I understand.
0: You, you'd rather you'd rather coach it in Manhattan or Lawrence and you think you'd win more. We're
1: just than talking Lawrence. about if we're just talking about towns. No, no, in Texas. Right, so here's the problem with Texas Tech. Two things. One, they call say that they're in Texas is sh- sure. <laughs> like if we're going to talk about like, well, Waco, the problem for Waco is where it's located. Texas Tech is in the middle of nowhere. So the debt they have issues in recruiting to Texas Tech. a B, they do have an ardent fan base. But I also think there's a problem of Texas Tech has it Texas Tech has hung up on their ex-girlfriend still and has not been able to get past the idea that it wasn't Texas Tech that almost won the big twelve. It was Mike Leach that almost won the Big 12. And it's <laughs> kind of the it's yeah. kind of the Kansas State principle. Like, and we'll get to Kansas State in a minute because I think they're the – as a Wisconsin person, I think Kansas State's the Wisconsin of the Big 12. I'll explain that in a second. No, I think but,
0: that's, that's fair for a lot of reasons.
1: I think Texas Tech is a similar situation of they're so hung up on – I mean, look, you literally keep – like, you brought in Matt Wells and like, well, this isn't working. Can you go get a Texas Tech-like – uh, Mike Leach like offensive coordinator to come back. Here. We need some more. We need some more Mike Leach in Lubbock. We don't have enough money. Well, they can't get past Mike Leach. And I think it's to their detriment and it's, and until they do, it's not a good job to me.
0: Well, that's interesting. They have been able to hire though. And Sonny Dykes was, was, was good. Uh, excuse me. Spike Dykes was good before Mike Leach got there for chunks of time. And again, it's hard to really evaluate college football because the modern era with money, and television contracts, and recruiting, and the I, internet. I, unless you're ridden. winning national
1: championships, I don't think what happened in the 80s and 90s matters in I, modern college football.
0: I, I I can get on board with that, which totally discounts my Don Nealon, Major Harris argument for West Virginia. Um, and I can get on board with that. I, I the, the the thing about Waco is not that it's the middle of nowhere. The thing about Waco is there's, I think, and I'm, I do not care if I'm upsetting anybody with this, there is <laughs> something weird in the water in Waco, okay? Like, there just is like you, I, I'm not trying to judge everybody out there, do what you want to do, believe what you want to believe, live how you want to live. But like, there's a reason that David Koresh and Art Bryles happen to wake up at the same day. Like there's a reason that that happened. So I, it's weird. I, that's my personal judgment of it. And so maybe I can't get, get that out of my way. I do understand the upside for Baylor. I also understand that like when they were bad for a power five team, they were like, one of the worst power five programs in the history of college football for a long time. And I do see the potential, but I would have Baylor. I would have Baylor like it, you know, I would have West Virginia TCU and Oklahoma state ahead. I would have Texas tech and Baylor, probably Baylor ahead of Texas tech. And then I I would get to the three schools that do not have a recruiting base because I value recruiting more than almost anything else, because that is how you win fan support and recruiting are the two big factors for me and financial support is tied to fan support those are the two the two big ones for me and there is no there is no recruiting base for the two Kansas schools and for Iowa State there just isn't and that's a concern for me there's a much better fan base for Iowa State than anyone outside of the area gives them credit for
1: oh no 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 people non-Big 12 fans do not understand
0: like, Jack Trice is awesome, man. It's a great oh, stadium.
1: I want. I, I have not gone. I plan to go. I'm going to get to a game at some point here in the next few. Once you have two kids, like all oh, you're like, I'm going to go do things. Gets put off yeah, for a
0: while. Yeah. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Look.
1: Non Big Twelve fans don't understand it. Like the the jokes about when they got to go to the Alamo Bowl and we're going to drink San Antonio dry. It's not a joke, folks. Like there's a reason. There's a reason that Coors is shipping beer to San Antonio as fast as they could for that game, and they still ran out. There's you hear all these Iowa State fans. They're going to UNLV. Las Vegas has never had this many people show up to yeah. drink just to drink alcohol and watch football before you, in their
0: entire lives. You may have compared the wrong team to Wisconsin. It might be Iowa State. <laughs> that's, um, that's Wisconsin. <laughs>
1: That that's a good comp. The Kansas State stuff is there's only been one proven way to win, and so that's what Kansas State's kind of stuck with, and that's fine because it works for Kansas State. And there's, that's basically what they're 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 higher with climate, and I love the climate yeah. hire. I I do. I think it's I think it works there. I think it's going to continue to work. Um, I understand the recruiting thing, and I think they know that there are limitations, and and I think that puts a hard cap on what West. I don't think Westford. I don't think Wisconsin can win a national championship anymore. I don't. I don't think in modern college football they can. I don't think Kansas State can win a, college, a national championship in modern college football. But, and Kansas State would benefit even more if there were 12 teams in divisions again, because I think Kansas State's a team that could win the North right. on a fairly often basis, similar to Wisconsin dominating their division in the Big Ten <clears throat> yeah. on a fairly common common basis. So I think there's a situation of Kansas State's a good job if you're okay with the fact that you're not going to... It's one of those things like you can go in and want to win a national championship. You know, we keep talking about Kentucky. You know Mark Stoops thinks he can win a national championship in Kentucky. No one's going to tell him otherwise. But also at the same time, he knows that he can be there for 20 years and keep winning. And I think it's a Kansas State similar situation of, is if you win, as long as you're winning, you can be there for a very, very long time. Now they can't put your name on the stadium because it's already been done, but <laughs> they can find something to put your name on You know, after yeah. 30 years there.
0: it It, it is like, I... You know, I have the Kansas schools at nine, but I could be convinced to flip flop them based on a good argument that without one name, one last name, there's not really a whole lot there, there for Kansas state. Um, you know, again, which one is easier to recruit to. Okay. It's about the same, Hmm. you know, like the budgets, the athletic department, you could argue Kansas is better you but know, not really so. because
1: most of that's going to basketball and it's always going to be a basketball first school.
0: Well, but does that, but is that, you know, again, is there a rising tide raises all boats? Again, I think you could argue the two of these round and round in circles like we did with yeah. Texas and Oklahoma. Those are, to me, are the worst two jobs in the league. So I know you, you disagree, but like, I, I just, if you're, if you're telling me, if I put Nick Saban at Texas tech and Nick Saban in the Kansas schools, I guarantee you he wins more at Texas tech because you are in the state of Texas you have a far bigger fan base. You have a far bigger alumni base to pull from. More, you know, just more footballness. <laughs> just more football y things going on. And I know that's some really high, highfalutin language there, but that that's like to me, it's what knocks West Virginia down a peg. And it's what keeps the Iowa State, Kansas, Kansas State group from breaking into that top in anybody in Texas. To me, it's just gonna be easier to win. So as you were in Texas.
1: You... I'm giving you Kansas State at nine and Kansas at ten based off of that. Um that's, so you've that's got what Texas I got. one, OU two, OSU three, West Virginia four. Is that is it West Virginia four, TCU five? I've, got,
0: t- I've got TCU four, West Virginia five, Baylor six, Texas Tech seven, and Iowa State eight, Kansas State nine, Kansas ten. But I do think there are three tiers. I think it's yes. Oklahoma, Texas on one tier. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's Oklahoma state TC and it's frankly, this is why the league is the way it is. And this is also what you give a lot of credit to Matt Campbell and Chris Kleiman for because consistently overachieve their, their tier. If you want to call it that or whatever, yeah. but uh, you know, Oklahoma state, TCU, West Virginia, Texas tech and Baylor, not in that order, but those, those five, you know, you look at the athletic departments, you look at the fan bases, you look at the alumni bases two private, you know, three that have bigger fan bases, you you kind of, you know, success levels are kind of, you know, on par. Like again, 08, Texas tech is no, not really that different than 2011 Oklahoma state, which is not really different than 07 West Virginia, which is not really different than 2014 TCU. Like they're all kind of like one game away from, from getting there. Um, And, and so it's, those would be the, and then again, the reason Matt Campbell is like, like the sexiest man alive is because they are eighth eighth in my mind. And he's got a team that's preseason top 10 this year coming into 2021. So I I think talk about overachieving your, you know, he's doing the Nick Saban test and they're not going to win a championship. And I I, I hate that for them, but my God, I'm rooting for it. (laughs) Like I want, I want to see it happen.
1: Yeah. Look, I, we talked about that whole like I understand your angle and I and I kind of thought that's where you would come from. from the, the can you win a national championship and and I come up with a little bit more of the like I like can what I like Kentucky I like what right. you can do there. So that's why I have I have Iowa State six because I think now there's a test to this that fan base is loyal to a fault and will show up and fill Jack Tri Stadium in the snow in November for a three win team because that's just how they are now.
0: Which is a great thing.
1: This is awesome, and this is not a knock on them whatsoever. But I am really curious now that they're having success. It's really easy to be easy as like a child. It's and I, this is probably a terrible comp. My daughter is easily entertained; she's very easily entertained. But as we get older and as we we learn and experience new things, we become less easily entertained. My only concern for Iowa State, as they continue to win. Do the expectations arise with that? And is it suddenly going to not be so great when they go back to, when Matt Campbell leaves and if they cannot sustain that level of success? I, because that's going to determine how good this job is. Because as long as uh, Matt Campbell awesome. And I think he'll be there for longer than people – I'm I'm done with the, like, Matt Campbell's name is attached to every job story. I, I think he knows – I think a lot of coaches that nowadays know, if I've got it good where I'm at and there's a job I want, let's just wait and see if it opens up. And if it doesn't after a while, then I'll go ahead and just take whatever. But I think he's very comfortable. He gets paid plenty of money. And unless yes. – until Notre Dame opens or Michigan opens up, like, he's good. He doesn't yeah. need to run to Florida State or South Carolina or whatever.
0: I think you're. I think it's really good, but it also adds to my Wisconsin comparison because Wisconsin fans, especially the student body population, those 11 a.m. Big Ten kickoffs on Saturday, it, it, for for a 90,000 seat stadium that full every single game takes a long time to fill up. Mm-hmm. And and I'm not suggesting that's the the case with Iowa State. What I'm what I mean by that is they have been spoiled. Like Wisconsin fans, and and if you think about programs over the last 25 years, like since 1993, let's say. 92 since the advent of the split of the SEC. How many guys have been more consistent than Wisconsin? Not, not too many. They, they're very spoiled, but what's their upside? It's fairly limited, to your point. Even with Russell Wilson, they lost twice. Now, it took two Hail Marys, but the best Wisconsin team, in my opinion, was 2011, and they lost on two Hail Marys. Their, their, their student body, like, I've sat in the alumni section at Wisconsin. I've sat in the student body section. I've sat near the band. I've sat everywhere in, in, in Camp Randall. And the alumni is kind of like Michigan and to some degree, Texas. It's not the loudest hundred thousand seat stadium you've ever been in. Now, when they're going and when it's crazy and it's the fourth quarter, it's big time. I think Jack Trice has more energy than that,
2: but that's Mm -hmm. because they haven't been,
0: they haven't been spoiled as much as Wisconsin yet. If that makes sense. I don't know if that, if that analogy makes sense. Yeah,
1: no, no, it makes sense. Is what happens. If let's say Matt Campbell is there another six or seven years and they keep winning at, a nine-game click, you know, every year they're winning nine games a year on a regular basis. They go to a couple more Big Twelve title games, and he finally, you know, Notre Dame decides to hire him, and he leaves. And the next guy comes in, and is now you're back down to, hey, we might make a bowl game this season. How do they? I think they still show up, but it's it's hard to go back to just being okay going to bowl games when you've yeah. been at a higher peak. Like I'm worried about that with OSU, you know, what happens when Gundy leaves if they make the wrong hire, but I could say the same thing with TCU. You've been spoiled with, with Gary Patterson for a long time. I think some of these outside of Oklahoma tech, but even Texas has been this way. They're wrong hire away from it going bad again.
0: Let's compare. Let's, let's just say Gundy leaves, Gary Patterson leaves and, and Matt Campbell like today, right now, today, all three of them. We just gave three fan bases convulsions, but let's say they all leave. Uh, who Iowa state fans have convulsions i think the other two would be who 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 has the like who can attract the best candidate of the three and who so number 1 who's got the best recruiting base TCU TCU, TCU Oklahoma state Iowa state in that order probably
1: yes but I, and i would i would i'd put but, TCU and OSU closer together than right, they're Iowa basically, state for the back
0: i i totally agree with that who's got the most money
1: uh, based off of the hold on i actually have this based uh, off of eighteen nineteen uh numbers from usa today well who, who how about this? TCU doesn't the, have their numbers out
0: who's got the I, most spending power let's just we don't need to know specifics but l- let's just say oklahoma state could spend as much as it wants relative to tcu and oklahoma and iowa state in my opinion
1: uh i actually think gary makes more than gundy so, but I but, say, but I mean, I'm I'm talking about yes.
0: like so. When I say spending money, I don't mean coaching salaries. I mean, so well, the reason everything,
1: no 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 everything, OCDC, yeah. all the way down to your no, recruiting keep, staff, your everything. Keep going,
0: keep going. The, here, the reason Pat Fitzgerald did not take the Michigan job is because boosters for Northwestern got on a plane and flew down to visit him and his family. He was on vacation. He was going to take the job when they tried to hire. They ended up hiring Jim Harbaugh. And they said, Pat Fitzgerald, what do you want to stay at Northwestern? And he said, I need three or four or $500 million to build a facility to keep, to attract talent to, to a campus in the middle of Chicago on Lake Michigan. And they built the Fitz Carlton right there on oh, campus. Yeah. It's pretty. And so when I say, you know, who's got the most resources, to me, it's Oklahoma State. Yes. Now I, I actually used to work for a very, very big booster who passed away recently for TCU. Like there's buildings with his name on it. Who used to own Athlon sports, actually huge booster for TCU um, business school, not the football department. <laughs> but I, when I compare those three, I think Oklahoma state won, and I don't know if it's TCU or Iowa. State. Recruiting base. I think Oklahoma state won. I, passion of fans who would fill up the most seats. Maybe Iowa State, Oklahoma State, but but Oklahoma State might get a slight nod. Uh, You know, Iowa State's right there. TCU is probably a three, right, on that list. Yeah. So if we're just comparing these three because these three coaches have walked away, what's the most attractive job? I I don't – I'm not sure it's really close. I think it's Oklahoma State. But that's just my opinion. And, again, I base it off of recruiting, resources, fan support, passion. That would be my opinion.
1: Fair enough. All right, so let's wrap up on this. Um, you've talked about about West Virginia, in that uh, you have them in the the four spot. It's the only team I haven't really mentioned. Um, <clears throat> this will be fun. I have them ninth.
0: <laughs> I, I look, I get it. I understand their recruiting base is not the same as right. th- th- It's far more like the Iowa State grouping. I, um, I
1: think it's even more extreme than the Iowa State grouping because I just. I think West Virginia's ceiling is capped significantly by being in the Big 12 conference. I think from a geography standpoint, I understand what they used to do in the eighties and nineties, but their conference made more sense who they played on a regular basis made more sense. It benefited them playing. That's why you see them in non-conference trying to make sure they have Pitt and Virginia tech and Maryland NC state. On the sched- and yeah. NC state on the schedule. So they're playing teams nearby on a year in year basis. I think that, and again, I credit them for playing two power five non-conference games every year, but I also think that part of that is from the standpoint of trying to play teams close by to help with recruiting, they almost have to do that because everything else is so far away. It's hard for alumni to go to road games. I think West Virginia is good. And I think a team can win at, at West Virginia in the big 12. I think a team in West Virginia could even get to the big 12 title game again. I just think that their ceiling is significantly limited it's one of those where I would like this job so much better if it was in the ACC or even I think, well, no, it's an,
0: it's an an SEC job. So Missouri belongs, Missouri belongs in the big 10 and West Virginia belongs in their spot in the SEC East. That's just the way it is. But that's also what makes it a great job because they are great. probably a strong word. Good job. They, that's what makes them so dynamic is that they, are so passionate and so rabid. And let's be, this is also an underrated part of this part of the country. And I don't, I don't live in, you know, I can, I can get to in about six hours. Uh, You know, I can go snowboarding and snowshoe if I want to, which is a nice resort in West Virginia, but six hour radius around Morgantown is better than you think it is. You draw that six hour radius for, and that's the, the, largely that's what you recruit to is your six hour radius. I also think it's why Tennessee is vastly underappreciated from a recruiting standpoint, because you can almost go from Jackson, Mississippi, to Valdosta, Georgia, to Richmond, Virginia, to Columbus, Ohio, and all of Kentucky and Tennessee from Knoxville. Morgantown's six-hour radius is actually better than you think it is. You can get deep into Virginia, deep into Ohio, deep into Kentucky, deep into Pennsylvania, deep into Maryland and the D.C. area. Like, you can... There's no direct flights from Lubbock to Morgantown, to your point. 100% 100 correct. They They are the most unique job in America because they are out of, place. I agree with you, but passion of fans and support. And you tie that with their recruiting base. And it is, in my opinion, both of those things are better than Kansas and Kansas state. And, you know, not better than the Texas schools, but the fans and the support and the success and the proof proof of concept and the number of different coaches that have been good there. That's the other thing. Like they changed coaches and they kind of keep staying good (laughs) and and they're not great right now, but Neil Brown, if you talk to every coach in this league, they will tell you who made the most progress, who's building a culture, who's the... They attract a guy that just is good old ball coach, man. Like, they just... It's different than... It's like the opposite of Kansas State. Kansas State attracts this this sort of, like, culture guy who's going to come in and implement discipline. And, you know, we're going to do things the right way, and it's going to be this way, and this is our best chance to win. We're going to recruit these guys and, and West Virginia is a little bit more like they're a little crazy. <laughs> let's just be honest. They're a little, they're, they're a little crazy, but, we love but that for is, it, but yeah, but right. That, but that's sort of like, let's, let's be very clear on who wins in college football. It's the the guys who have a little bit of crazy are that's the true. people who are the people who win in college football. And, you know, maybe that's contradicting myself from the, uh, <laughs> the, the Waco comment <laughs> earlier. <laughs> maybe that's contradicting myself. I, I, I could, I could be easily, I could easily put them at five. And, and, and like I, TCU, again, one of the things that really strikes me is TCU's recruiting prowess since joining the league. It's not like, it's not even close. They are the third best recruiting team behind Texas and Oklahoma. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: And that, that is, I don't think if you just sort of like the Jack Trice thing with the stadium and the fans for Iowa state, if you ask people outside of the big 12, all right, Texas and Oklahoma are one and two in recruiting every year. Who's number three every year? I don't think anybody would say off the top of their head TCU right out of the gate, and and by like a like a wide margin. Oh
1: yeah, no, no.
0: So I would probably go Oklahoma State three, TCU four, West Virginia five, Baylor six, Texas Tech seven. If I just change my order, I'm sorry. No, it's just, that's uh, what
1: I have. You have Baylor, Texas Tech, Iowa State
0: eight, eight. Kansas State nine, Kansas Tech. That that would be my final answer, Bob.
1: Okay. <laughs> Look, I love West Virginia. I love having them in the Big Twelve. It's a ton of fun. I love them in basketball. I love them. It, it, it's it's a fun addition. It's not the team I would have picked for the Big Twelve when everything was being realigned, but Texas decided to block Louisville for some reason. But I like having them. I just think that being in the Big Twelve, I think being in the Big Twelve is always going to cap what's a could be an even better football program in a in a we'll conference see. that makes more sense geographically.
0: I mean, we'll see. I, as long as Neil Brown is there, I think they're going to keep growing. Oh, I love Neil um, Brown. That was a, a
1: fantastic hire.
0: I thought Tennessee should have hired Neil Brown, frankly.
1: Tennessee should have hired a lot well, of people. I, don't, I think a lot of people don't want to go to Tennessee.
0: <laughs> not, not today, but in three years when, when it's all settled down, it'll be different. But that's the Texas problem. That's the Texas question. And big paychecks still tend to work pretty well. Yes. We, are all, we are all still capitalist pigs at our core so
1: money 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 talks very loudly, very <laughs> yes. loudly. Braden, uh, thank you so much this has been awesome um, I appreciate you joining us today this has been a lot of fun uh, for everybody who wants to go get Braden, a follow on Twitter what is your Twitter handle I was going to say it and then I just realized I don't have it written down
0: no it's at it's at it's very complicated at Braden Gall um, it's <laughs> it's at my name it's the it's the joy of having a weird name my wife hates it but Twitter loves it so <laughs> it's uh, it's it's great uh, no, I mean, I always appreciate it. You know, we've done this before in the past and and always love hanging out with you guys. And and uh, I love the job ranking thing is just it's absolutely the most one of the most people hate conference realignment. I love conference realignment and job mm-hmm. rankings. And mm-hmm. I just I think that stuff is absolutely fascinating because it's not really about football. It's about all the other stuff around the game. And uh, I think it's a great debate. So I always love doing it with you, man.
1: Appreciate it. Everybody go give uh, Braden a follow. Make sure and check out Athlon Sports and do give a follow to the Cover 2 podcast. I know you guys have lots of podcasts you listen to, including ours. I will say I listen to the Cover 2 on a regular basis. It's always a good show. Uh, you and Steven do a great job. Always enjoy having Steven on our show as well. So everybody go give that podcast a follow. Go give a subscription. Go give it a review. <laughs> we suggest five stars, but, you know, we think everyone should get five stars. So that's just how we are.
0: I'll take uh, four. It, it's fine.
1: fours. Four, but if you're gonna leave four, it has to have a witty. You uh, can't, can't just be like, n- "Nice pod," like, "Come on, come on, give me, give me." Oh, I don't know, like, oh, "Your show is great. I love your show." Four stars. I'm, I'm like, wait you. a minute,
0: what? I, I don't know, dude. I, I don't know, dude. I'm with you. I'm married with two kids, so I might take a, like a two-star review at this point. So, <laughs>
1: just say to okay it with, five stars, I'll, and you can tell I'll me okay I'm a that, horrible I'll, person. I'll, I'll, that works.
0: Yes. 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 Uh, All day, man. Absolutely.
1: Braden, again, appreciate it, man. And uh, we'll do this again soon.
0: Thanks, Phil. Appreciate it, man. The Highball Network is
1: your new home for podcasts that meet you at the intersection of sports and entertainment. Featuring
0: personalities like Christine Butterfield, Madison Morris, Randy Heights, and Ryan Chapman, the Highball Network will keep you entertained while delivering high-level analysis across the entire spectrum of sports. The Winning Women podcast preaches female empowerment, and covers stories of perseverance and breakthroughs for women in sports sideline warning delivers fast-paced commentary on sports all across the national landscape complete with plenty of roasts and for you sooner fans out there the heisman park rangers covers
1: the entirety of ou athletics from football to softball and everything in between like the highball network on facebook and follow us on twitter at highball network to stay
0: up to date on all our latest projects You can find Highball Network Podcasts on Apple Podcasts and Spotify.
1: With all the talk about March Madness and talk about brackets and things that are about to be, I would be remiss if we didn't talk a little bit about the women's side as well, as we like to do here on the show. Now, look, I, I understand why you don't see a lot of mock brackets for the women's side in the women's tournament. It doesn't move the needle as much. I get it. But... I always enjoy seeing projections for the Big 12 women's teams as much as I do the men's. So when I had one pop up and we tweeted about it on the 1012 podcast Twitter account, I was excited and wanted, wanted the opportunity to talk about it. So I have brought on the author of this uh, bracketology, this mock bracket, Russell Steinberg, uh, who uh, writes for The Next. This is a newsletter that covers women's basketball. Russell, welcome to the 1012.
2: Thank you. Thanks for having me.
1: Absolutely. Um, So let's start the thing that intrigued me the most. Now, you put this out earlier in the week, and I'm sure some things have changed as games have been played um, since Monday when I think this first came out. But I want to start with the thing that intrigued me the most, and that was going through it and looking at where the Big 12 teams were. And there were some that that shocked me at their position, but then I got down to your first four out. At the bottom of that first four out list was Oklahoma. And this is an Oklahoma team that, back on February 9th, was... Six and nine, three and seven in conference play before they went and beat a really good Iowa State team and kind of started a bit of, of a run for the Sooners. You know, they, since then they've won five of their last six, the only loss being to Baylor. That's nothing to be sad about, but that includes wins over Iowa State, wins at West Virginia, a win at Texas, and a couple other wins again at TCU and Texas Tech. Uh, we had talked about this on the pod Monday with Andy and Jamie about Oklahoma being on, on a bit of a run and whether or not they actually had a chance to get into the tournament. And when I saw your, your mock bracket, I was shocked. They were, they seemed closer. I realize they're not in, but they seemed closer than I thought they would be at this point. What makes you think Oklahoma is, is this close and really how close are they? And how much more do they need to do to actually maybe hear their names called on, on, selection monday
2: so to answer the last two parts of your question first i would be a little bit cautious looking at um their name in the first four out um let's just say for the sake of argument that i'm right on the money and they are the fourth team out uh you, you have to keep in mind that when conference tournament uh conference tournaments actually happen you're going to end up with one or two bid stealers and unless oklahoma wins uh, the Big 12 tournament. At w- which point, this conversation is meaningless. Um, they're going to take at least one more loss. Um, so, seeing their name as you know the fourth team out means they certainly have um, a chance to get in, uh, but it is going to take a little bit. And looking at um, their last two games, uh, TCU and Kansas State, um, those aren't opportunities, unfortunately, for them to uh, to move the needle. Those are more um games that'll hurt you if you lose uh and won't do a whole lot for you if you win unless maybe it bumps your net up a, a spot or two. Uh so the big opportunity is going to come in the Big 12 tournament which I think Oklahoma fans knew already w- which is fine. Uh the reason they're even in this position is because the women's committee tends to put a little bit more emphasis on how you've played lately and as you mentioned they've won 5 out of 6 so they're on a pretty good run and you know the the strength of the big 12 has meant that they really haven't taken any terrible losses. And, you know, you might point to the game at Kansas uh, back in December, uh, Kansas just seven and 15, but Kansas has a net of 90. So that means more to the committee than their record does. So even that isn't a terrible loss. Uh, so Oklahoma now by, getting itself you know to a winning record if they could stay there they're at least going to be in the conversation
1: that is interesting obviously like you mentioned they don't have a lot of opportunities in the regular season we'll have to see how the big 12 tournament stacks out it feels like baylor at one west virginia two, oklahoma state at three and i mean west virginia texas and oklahoma is going to get that that sixth spot which means they should avoid the the first round game that doesn't really do anything for you you know having to play kansas again so their first game should be a a solid opponent uh, which which would help them it it could even be a a another matchup with oklahoma state who they have not fared well with this year i mean you mentioned the net we've talked about the net and i I know before we get to the teams i wanted to talk about it you know when you look at the ncaa's website you look at the net rankings for the men's side and it's been a little bit weird this year, but that's, you know, it's COVID year. Everyone's schedules are different. I mean, the Patriot League hasn't even played non-conference, which is why Colgate's so weirdly high. But when I, I go and look at the women's side, the thing that's weirdly missing to me is there is no quad breakdown. There is no quad one, two, three, four for them. I am I'm curious. It how does that work with the women's side? Is, is there a quad system? Do they view as quad one, two, three, four rankings? Does that matter? Or is it just more of a, where you are in the net is, is what matters the most?
2: So I, I don't think this is as big of a focus on the women's committee. And the, the important thing that I, I think a lot of people either don't know or, or don't think about is that uh, the women's NCAA tournament selection committee and the women's basketball committee overall is not the same as the men's. And so they can set their own criteria. Uh, even how the net is calculated is a little bit different from the men's. Um, we don't get to know what those differences are, unfortunately. Um, my impression, remember there's only a the second year that the women are using the net. Uh, my impression is that they do not view uh, the quad system exactly like the men's um, Committee does. I think they still put a lot of weight on how you fare on the road. They still put a lot of weight on, um, you know, w- whether, say, a team in the, you know, 70s in the net is uh, a game that's coming at home or away. Um, but you don't hear them referencing quad one or quad two. I still look at it because it's helpful for me to kind of judge um, really the meaning behind some wins. But even this year, I mean, like you said, it's it's tough because the net, which is flawed to begin with, is even more flawed now because you don't have that sample size of, uh, of non-conference games. So a lot of this is happening, you know, seemingly in a bubble here. Uh, so it, the net, it's a hard metric to read, especially this year. I wish the committee would be a little bit more open with how it interprets it. Uh, The best I can do is assume that they view it the same way they viewed RPI, which, to my disappointment, uh, they really, really leaned heavily on RPI right up until the end, um, even though we all knew that that metric had a lot of problems with it.
1: Yeah, absolutely I mean the the net so far for the men's side it's it's still flawed mm-hmm. um but it is better than than what the RPI was it's no there's not gonna be a perfect system right. I think that's why you have a committee especially when picking as many teams as you as you are for this so looking at your bracket and and do me a favor if if things have changed for you since this first came out earlier in the week please correct my seating stuff um, you had Baylor as a two which isn't terribly surprising mm-hmm. West Virginia to four which is fine. It's the other ones that kind of felt really low to me. She had Texas at a 7, uh, Iowa State as an 8, and, and Oklahoma State as a 7. Now, those are the five teams I would expect to be in there. Those are the five teams on the upper half of the Big 12 that have played really well. They've got quality wins, and they've dominated the bottom. They've, most for the most part, avoided bad losses, except for those who've beaten or lost to Oklahoma, which is looking like a better and better loss as the season goes on. I'm, I'm trying to balance the thought of I guess my thing is, it feels like, and maybe it's because I've been so focused on the men in the top and the, the men have been so good and there's so many teams projected so high, but it does feel like I would have thought Iowa State, Texas, and, and Oklahoma State would have been higher in this than they are, or at least one of them. You know, OSU's slated third right now. The Big 12 is generally viewed as a as a good conference. I know that the bottom half is not very good this year, but why why are those three teams down in the in those seeds.
2: well it, it's not first of all I, I i don't think it's any disrespect to them at at all uh looking at the teams that are ahead right now they are teams that are generally viewed as among the best in uh in women's college basketball and i have a hard time justifying putting say iowa state ahead of you know a, a two loss gonzaga team now The the three teams you mentioned, Iowa State, uh, Texas, Oklahoma State, they're also teams that have taken on, you know, seven or eight losses. And it's hard to to put a team like that higher up than someone who wins their games. And I know strength of schedule uh, makes a big difference here for sure. Um, but at the end of the day, you, you need to get results. And Oklahoma State, just looking at them, they have a very good win against West Virginia. Uh, that certainly helps them out a lot. Um, see, they beat Texas. Oklahoma wins solid. Iowa State solid. They don't have a win. I guess West Virginia is their only win in the top 25 of the net. And that came at home. So that would probably be why they are a little bit lower. And actually, I had Rutgers pass them on my seed line since um, since that bracket came out. And that's just because Rutgers, as they've played more and more games, have stayed in the top 15 in the net and have um, beaten some pretty good teams along the way. So it's I would say those teams that you mentioned, if one of them could knock off a West Virginia or even a Baylor in the conference tournament, you're going to see them rise a lot uh it's just when you look at their records against what we'll call quad one um they're usually you know let's say Iowa State's four and eight Texas four and six Oklahoma State three and five uh they're sub 500 and a lot of the teams above them are at 500 or better against that top tier of teams
1: okay well that makes a lot of sense I Again, it's, it's, I, I wish the NCAA website had the quad breakdown for me, and I, I guess I could have gone oh, through and done it myself, but, oh, man, that takes time.
2: Also, I I should note that there is not a lot of a difference between, say, the best number 8 seed and the worst number 6 seed. Like, that's just five spots. So even though it might feel a lot different on the bracket, uh, a lot of this, there's like a razor-thin line between a lot of these teams and it's very possible that when conference tournaments start or at least for the uh, bigger conferences and i start updating this bracket daily i'll take a closer look at some of these resumes and maybe i will go you know what texas probably needs to be a spot or two higher Uh, it's it's something i've done in the past for sure so they're not locked into where they are they all have opportunities so
1: let me ask about baylor obviously you know, it's, it's weird. We talked about Baylor on the show a lot this season, and and it felt like it was going to be a down year for them, yet here they are. They're going to win the Big 12, or they've won the Big 12 again. They have two whole losses on the schedule of Baylor. Even what feels like a, a down year for Baylor is still a really solid team as usual. Um, for them, you've got them on the two line. That makes a lot of sense. Do they have any opportunities? If they can win the Big 12 tournament do they have the opportunity to bump themselves up to a one or is that going to require one of those top seeds that you have which currently which on this last bracket were Connecticut Stanford uh NC State and Texas A&M is that going to require one of those tur- teams to lose in their tournament for that to happen
2: I I think it will and that's no disrespect to Baylor at all but right now I have Baylor as my number six overall team I think If NC State and South Carolina both falter and you don't have a team like Louisville or Maryland um, winning their tournaments, then I think you could see Baylor move up to a number one, Uh, but it is going to be difficult for them, uh, especially considering Uh, West Virginia is the only other team in the big 12 where they can win a game. That's really going to move the needle, you know, in that top tier of teams. Uh, So that's going to make it difficult. The the good news for Baylor, I guess, is that I don't really see any way they're worse than a two seed. So that's probably where they're locked into with like an outside shot. If they win the big 12 tournament of moving up.
1: So Russell, I want to, I want to wrap on this. You know, I, I, it's not a complaint. I understand why the women's tournament is set up the way it is, with teams getting to, you know, the upper seeds getting to play at home. Um, it it makes a lot of sense financially and, and for for fan bases. But this year, with everyone playing in a in a neutral site, not having home games, it's it, it tends to get a little chalky in the women's tournament. You see upsets, but fewer upsets, especially of top teams, because so many are playing at home do you think how much of an impact do you believe everyone playing at a
2: neutral site could have on this year's tournament? Um, I I think it's going to have a a major impact and you're going to see it. First of all, I think the tournament's going to be put together in a much more fair way. So before we even get to upsets and all of that, um, I went to a mock selection exercise at the NCAA a couple of years ago, just to get a better idea of what actually goes on in the committee room to inform my process. And one thing that surprised me was that in a typical year, there is really no S curve. It is, you have your teams, you have your seeds, and they are always seated according to geography and according to you know bracket rules, as far as not putting teams from the same conference against each other in the first round and that sort of thing, um, now that it's all on a neutral site, it is going to be um, much more reliant on the S curve, which they are actually going to use, and then adjust so that you know you don't have those same conference matchups. So the ba- the brackets going to be a lot more balanced, which is great. Now, as far as upsets go, and Uh, And and what happens there? It's very possible. And I hope we see a lot more. Uh, A good thing is I think this year in women's basketball, you have the top six or seven teams that I think are a clear cut above everybody else. Once you get to say the back half of the two seeds on down to the three, fours and fives, I think teams are a lot closer together than, than you would imagine. And You know, without too much of a non-conference schedule, it is a little hard to tell, but there are hints that that may be the case. Um, For example, look at Louisville. Um, I have them as number eight overall right now. They destroyed DePaul earlier in the season. Uh, They were up on them by almost 50 at one point. Yet DePaul, who I have barely in the tournament at this point because they've really fallen off, beat a Kentucky team that could get a three seed. Uh, so you're going to see some surprises come out, you know, with, uh, with results like that. And then also you have to remember the teams are coming from all different places at, at this point. Uh, some teams have played virtually their entire schedule, you know, no, no change. Others are coming off of pauses and just trying to get back into it. Others have come off of pauses, but don't have their full roster. Um, the, the way, how choppy this season has been, I think is going to be something that, Um, affects teams going into the tournament both in how prepared they are and also how they're seated, because you have to be seated based on what you've done but what you've you've done may not be a fair representation of what you are so that's also going to be something to watch out for
1: yeah i talked about this a bit with with brian ralph at at heat check college basketball about the men's side of of seeing upsets because how many teams are we going to see how many teams are we going to see under because of COVID pauses? And how many teams are we going to see overseeded, as well because of that, because they've had more opportunities to play more games, so their resumes look better but right. aren't necessarily a better
2: team? Exactly.
1: So, I mean, I, I think this could be one of the and – and I enjoy watching the women's tournament. It's just usually better once you get towards the end when all the best teams are playing each other. I think this could be one of the more interesting and fun – Uh, March Madness is for the women's side of the tournament that we've seen in a while.
2: I I agree. And, you know, maybe the first round, maybe the first two rounds are a a little bit chalky like you would expect. But once you get to that second weekend, when you have, you know, teams on the three, four, five, six line facing each other, um, it's, it's going to be very unpredictable. And I would be very, very surprised if um, the elite eight is all one and two seeds this year. I do not think that's going to be the case.
1: That'll be fun. That'll be something to watch. Uh, Russell, appreciate you joining us today. Really do. Um, for everybody who enjoyed this segment, um, who wants to know more about women's basketball, I would suggest that you go and subscribe to the next. It's the next substack.com. It's a fantastic newsletter. Uh, come straight to your email box. Uh, Russell, I know you do quite a bit of coverage for college basketball and basketball in general. Uh, for everybody who wants to check out the work you do, where can they do so?
2: Uh, easiest place to go would be to uh, follow me on Twitter at Russ underscore Steinberg, S-T-E-I-N-B-E-R-G. Uh, right now, a lot of my content is uh, women's bracketology, what, what we're talking about here, but I also run uh, SB Nation's mid-major blog for um, uh, men's mid-major basketball. Um, I'm a Connecticut guy. I work uh, on a UConn blog as well. Uh, so, of course, it's a very exciting time for us as the men finally seem to be back on track and ready to go to the tournament and of course the women are the number one overall seed so um check out the stuff we're doing there as well but yeah pretty much everything goes out uh, from my twitter account
1: so follow russ at russ steinberg uh, go subscribe to the next uh, the next.substack.com russ thanks again and uh, enjoy the tournament this year man
2: thanks you too
0: Podcast Network.